Hello and welcome back to Minor 16, the podcast for all Apple and audio lovers. And on this episode of Minor 16, we are going to focus very much on the latter. It's all about audio as I welcome back to the show my good friend Rico Groffalo as we talk about the state of the music business and very much the business behind music. Welcome back, Rico. Welcome back hey, to the breach almost, I say. Yes, second <laughs> time. You're, you're one of the few that's actually made it back for a second time. So I don't know if you I, came because uh, I was deeply unlucky or... Oh, I feel, I feel very honoured. So, <laughs> unlucky. And just for reference, ah. one point I didn't mention last time, um, with Rico, uh, I actually knew him for must have been about a year before he told me I was mispronouncing every single time his surname. And uh, for the first year or so, I was calling you Rico Garofalo. I remember those days well. And then I, I learned the, the rhythm of the surname. <laughs> you never told me, yeah. you little bugger. No, Garofalo. I can't remember why I did tell you in the end, but yeah, Garofalo. It's, uh, I think but there's I so just... many syllables in there, it really does. <laughs> but I, I think I told you because I knew I, as our friendship grew, I realised how much of a stickler you were for pronunciation of other people's names. So I yes. thought, oh, I think I better actually tell you that in that case. Exactly that. It was annoying me, yeah. yes, because it's one of those things, getting somebody's name right is a basic. You can, And certainly when you're interviewing people, I always think if they're going to mm. take the time, not that this is really an interview, but not, I mean, when you, you approach yeah. somebody, yeah. the least you can do is actually pronounce their name correctly. It's yeah. one of those basics. I, I know what you mean, David. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see it's going to be one of those. So... <laughs> Um, when you were on last time, we were talking about the recording studio and recording setup, and we were sort of talking mm. the, the PC world versus the Mac world and how it all works there. This time round, I thought what we'd do, and maybe of interest, is mm. to actually talk about the mechanics of a musician's life post-recording. So it's all well and good having this beautiful project that you've slaved four or five years over, had some of the best musicians in the land and internationally come and record with mm. you. You've got this album, it's been mastered. What's next? I mean, you've invested a lot of time, energy and money to that point mm. to get this album. OK, you, it was helped by the fact that you could record it all yourself, but mastering you had yeah. to pay, musicians you had to pay. So when you finally get to that point, first of all, when, when you do you ever feel that an album is finished? <laughs> that's a, I know that's you have to sign off at one. some point and hand it over, but do you ever feel that it's finished? I would very much doubt that, well, finished, yes. Uh, completely content, no. But that, that's not what this, this is about today, so I'm, I'm not going to go down that channel, as it were. But um, there's a point where you have to go, right, that's it. That's definitely it. You have to literally say, right, okay. Because you could always end up wanting a little a change here or a change there. You, that's a musician's thing mm -hmm. uh, or a producer's ear or a whoever. We've all, we've, we're always wanting to improve, improve, improve. Mm -hmm. But part, part, of the, part of the whole process is learning to go, right, no, that's good. That's good. Yes, it could be better. But, you know, like anything, you have a time limit and you have to stick to that. And my time limit was brought in by the fact of... Um, the, the album was never initially meant to be released, uh, publicly mm. released. It was meant to be a personal project. Um, but then Dome Records got involved. And at that point, there had to be um, certain time limits brought in uh, because it was being released via, um, you know, an established uh, record label. And and they were, in fairness uh, to Peter at Dome, he's quite lenient with me and he did move a few deadlines for me because I wasn't content. But, in, uh, sorry, a very long-winded way to no, say. No, no, it's the answer. Uh, in answer to your question, is it ever finished? Um, yes, and, you know, a little bit a little bit of the no because you always want to improve things. I mean, when I listen back to it now, I'd st there's things I change, both in terms of the arrangement of the music, but also in terms of the recording and the production. I would have done th a few things differently because... 
as with musicians, as with producers and engineers, you never stop learning. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always that case. So, and you, you've actually segued very neatly because I'm going to bring Dome, and Dome is possibly a very good place to start our conversation. Mm. But just before we get there, you kind of answered it. I was going to ask, have you sat back and listened to your album? And I say that not from point of vanity at all. It's I know from the, what creating I do, you look back at things critically and you kind of sit back and I know musicians always view an album as being a reference point of that moment in time of their life, how they were hearing things, seeing things, mm. feeling things. So have you sat back and obviously you have from what you just mentioned a moment ago? Yes, I have, um, but not regularly. No. Uh, no. I think I did it probably closer to the time upon its release. I think I, I might have listened to it. I'd probably say about once or twice a week or certain tunes mm, from mm. it once or twice a week. The longer time went on, the less and less mm. kind of thing for no particular reason. Um, and now I may get an urge every now and then, but I, I honestly can tell you when I last listened to any of, of the album, any of the tunes on it. So not that I'm avoiding it. I've no, just no, hadn't no. had the urge to, to want to listen to it. So, so you mentioned that, as I well know, that Seeds was never intended to be a commercial project at its inception mm. many, many moons ago. Mm. How was it that it came about that suddenly it became a commercial entity that a record label got involved? Because when you told me that originally, that makes it sound very, very corporate businessy. It makes it sound like an actual physical thing has to happen. Um it came, it came about via actually one of the vocalists uh, on the album, that was Kenny Stevens, who when he, I won't go through the whole process, but when mm. he, when I got to know him better and when he did get involved and he heard the other songs on the album, um, as well as his, that I was working on a version of one of his tunes, he said to me, uh, I think you're, um, I think you'd be very good to have this somewhere mm-hmm. uh, and and I said what do you mean by somewhere and he said uh, I think you should actually look at releasing this via a record label and I said oh Kenny you know um, long gone are the days of record labels I kind of said to him and remember this is a personal project etc uh, and he said um, he said well tell you what I'm going I'm going to contact um, a particular record label that I feel this what I'm hearing would really suit Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said to him, yeah, suit yourself. If you, in that case, you know, if you want to, fair enough. But I'm, I'm really not, you know, uh, I'm not planning to go down that route. Uh, but he kept badgering me about it. So in the end, it was a case of just to keep him, <laughs> just to stop him badgering me. I actually said, okay, then, right, tell you what, uh, he got he got an email and a name for me. And I contacted uh, Dome Records. And I'd forgotten about it, actually. And then about a few weeks later, I got a, an email from um, from Dome saying, "Very sorry, we've only just got round to replying to you." Blah blah blah, uh, and it's very caught, very you know, decent of them to do that. And and I actually initially I was about to put the email in the spam uh, box because I compl- I literally had forgotten about it. Uh, and then I was reading it and I was thinking, "Oh, hold on, this seems looks like a reply." Uh, and they replied saying, sorry, we're going to listen this weekend. Uh, we'll get back to you. And I thought, well, it's nice. They've actually made the effort to, to listen. I'm sure they get lots of material sent to them and blah, blah. Uh, and then on the Monday, they had listened to it. Uh, uh, and Peter in charge gave me a call and he said, um, um, this is really, you know, different and really nice stuff. Uh, however, we're not looking to release anything um, on more on Dome this year. And I thought, well, it was really nice of him to let me know that. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, which, but I, I wasn't, I think years ago, had I chased that, that route, I'd have been quite upset. But because, as I say, I'd never planned it being, 
I was in my, you know, already in my forties. I wasn't trying to chase a. It was never the reason contract. for making the album, was it? No, exactly. So, but I really did appreciate the fact that they got back in touch, and Peter did. Um, so. It was the, a case like that, but he did say, can I keep in touch? I'd like to see how the project's going. And he did keep in touch, indeed, uh, which I found odd. And I thought, you know, I'm just a very busy man. He's got better things to do. And eventually, to cut again a, a long story short here, uh, the guys was that um, he didn't plan on releasing anything more that year, but he was planning on releasing things the following year, which would have been 2019. Um, and he said, and in that case, I would like to um, to offer you, you know, uh a deal with dome here so yeah that's how it that's how it came about it was literally kind of who you know uh in that respect uh if kenny hadn't badgered me i wouldn't have done that i wouldn't have gone down that route you were never pushing the album out to labels and you weren't trying to find a commercial out for it. it was just very much a personal yeah yeah venture at that point so yes. when dome stepped up and it became apparent after a few meetings that it was going to be a released album how did that change things in your minds? I think you said early on that with with reference to finishing it, you knew there was a finite point at which you had to release it. There were release dates and schedules and airplay and, you know, pluggers had done their job for radio play and so on. Mm. So did it change anything? Well, twofold. Did it change anything materially and did it change anything emotionally for you? Uh, emotionally... It gave me the fact that um, they were interested in, in and wanting to release this via their label or Peter's label. It, um, oh, it definitely gave, should we say, I don't want to use the word an ego boost because I wasn't looking for that. But a lift. Which is something I've always wanted to do, yeah. But it did fill me with a bit of confidence to think, wow, well, if, if they like it, they, you know, they could put a lot of material out if they choose to. Mm. And I know they over the latter years they've been putting less and less out, but that's because um, I, I know that Peter has decided to do that intentionally mm. to 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 limit the amount of material, new material that they're putting out over the last few years. So the fact that he was interested in this, and 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 on top of that, that you know, I remember sitting in this actual very studio that I'm talking to you in now, and he was he was sat on a, a sofa next to me, and I was a bit baffled when he did, and I said. You know, I really appreciate what you've just offered me, but I'm I'm a bit miffed as well at the same time here because I'm not a vocalist. I'm not. This isn't a print. You know, uh, as an instrumentalist, I'm a saxophonist. This isn't a sax album. You know, this is mm -hmm. uh, you know songs from a certain idiom changed, moved around and done certain ways um, to give them a new spruce of life or however you want to term it. Mm. So how could you possibly, you know, uh, I'm the producer on this. How how could you market that? And he said, leave that with me. Um, and that 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 was emotionally nice because I thought, well, okay, that's you know, if he hasn't, you know, if he hasn't got a particular thing in mind, he obviously has. Should I say? If I didn't, I'll rephrase that. I didn't have something in mind, and I couldn't think how he would do it for mm. a label. Mm. It would be easier for me to do something personally, but um, but he did. He you know he he knew what he was doing. Um, so that was from the emotional side. Um, and yes, but the, emotionally also there was more pressure now because I knew that more people would get to hear it. And it was like, mm. oh, no. Mm. Uh, and then, you know, every single like nook and cranny of each song in, produc in production terms and also the arrangements and everything, all the recording, I was thinking, oh, no, perhaps I should have invested more time or money on doing this part or that part or et cetera, et cetera. Um, that was the emotional side. Um, 
and the sorry, the other side was the well. Then the, the, the actual physical side of knowing it's going to be released commercially. Did that change mm. anything in your mindset? Um, I it did fra it did actually because not from the emotional side now, but I suddenly thought everything has to be far better than you know um, mm. than perhaps I'd have planned for a self release uh, or so not sorry self release, but just for um, for a more personal project. Um, and that's when I suddenly thought, oh, I won't be mastering this myself because, you know, to save costs, Which, yes. I would we talked about in the last I, interview, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, because I have done mastering and I do master. But um, as, the, as a dark art, I'll just do that, as they say, uh, the, the art of mastering. And I thought, you know, the, to, objectively, the best result would be to let someone else um, master your own music. I think there's very few people that... I'm extremely good at you know don't get me wrong because the, well this is another conversation we could have uh, due to costs so many musicians do master their own material so many artists do now master their own material if they're going down the self-release uh, and publishing routes so uh, but I opted not to because I thought well if it's if it's going through dome you know like anything you want something to be as good as it can be um, and that's where motto sounds came in so so without necessarily, I mean, it's totally down to you whether we put any figures on this, but when hmm. uh, a, a label comes along to you, I, I'm, as a layman, and I'm sure many of the listeners would, would not have been in the position, it sounds, you always go back to sort of, you know, the, the Prince days and the MJ days, that when you've got a label hmm. suddenly, I'm not talking that level of money, but suddenly there's contracts, there's, 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 a, there's a financial arrangement between you and the label. Now, Given mm. everything that I've heard, and I've been lucky enough to talk to quite a number of musicians over the years, the music industry mm. has very much changed. Yeah. When you then had a label behind you, did that mean that there was some financial element involved then, that some of your costs would at least be recouped? I mean, clearly all the time, I mean, I think it was five, six years that you put into it, and then obviously in the last few years it was getting the other guys to record with you. Mm. So you're never going to re recoup your time. But, I mean, is that how it works with record labels now? I couldn't tell you. I, I would have thought that each label, and this is talking independent uh, labels here, um, and obviously I can only speak from my experience, mm. again, with Dome, but um, by by agreeing to their contract in... Um, so there was I a physical been, contract that you signed? Yes. There was yeah. something between uh, you and Dome, right, yeah. Indeed, and it would have been very silly for me... You know, I, I didn't instantly say yes when um, Peter offered it to me. Um, he said, have a think about it. And and I, I wanted to think about it j just actually, well, it's a common thing to do. You wouldn't just sign something there and then. Um, but the, the benefits definitely outweighed um, the negatives. Uh, and the only negative, uh, if one could argue this, would have been um, obviously splitting any, any profits. Mm -hmm. But then the counter to that would easily be that Dome's Reach is far better than um, virtually nobody. Mm. So that one negated the other. Uh, on top of that, the it saved me a lot of admin prob uh, issues because because even, although I changed each song on the album, and that was the whole point of the album, they weren't straight covers. Uh, in legality terms, they are. I've just done something different to somebody else's song. And when you release uh, somebody else's song, um, you are due to pay certain um, royalties. Uh, so were they physical... counted technically? They were counted as covers then? Yes. yes. Right. So, for instance, with the Benson track on there, mm. 
I mean, this is where I want to try and get into the business side, and that's the whole nub behind what I want to chat to you about this time. Mm. So, who do you obviously now is a, a release by an out by a, a label by Dome? Mm. They have to presumably approach somebody. Is it? And I'm assuming on a song, most I'm guessing if some of the people that have written the songs have passed away, if there's no estate involved, I don't know who owns these songs and how exactly. hard is it whoever, to get permission? Whoever owns the rights to those songs. Uh, is it hard well to find that be. out? Uh, no, no, there's a, um, there's an organisation, there's a body that you can, you can go through to, to actually find that out. Uh, it could well be the individual. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the case of George Benson, he said, well, actually, I think on Give Me The Night, I can't remember if it was him exclusively originally or whether it was Rod Temperton. But I think I actually think it was Rod Temperton that and then he sold the rights to for it. Basically, he he sold them to. Uh, oh, I've forgotten who they are. And I what, sh- one of the big labels. I should be. Th- I, I think you can help me out here because a certain member of your family now works for them. BMG. Uh, that's it. Thank you. Right. I'm, I think or BMG Connected. Right. Yeah. I think it was Universal. Straight. Was it, was it BMG or Universal? Oh, for the love of me now, I can't remember. But I know that he'd sold. Uh, Rod Temperton had sold basically the rights before to that he passed away. So this isn't the estate. He, Rod Temperton's estate before he passed no, away. No, no, he, he sold them prior to his death. Right. Yes, yep. he. You know, I don't know how many, whether it's entire cat or what. But so therefore, anything would have to be done via that that particular label. Uh, and then what they would do, for example, they would say. So Dome uh, approaches will say Universal. Yeah, and or whoever is this? Yeah, mm. okay, Universal. Uh, and I think, again, so I, I could be wrong here, but what generally happens is that, say, if you're planning to release uh, or to, to release, say, or have printed 100 CDs, if we're talking mechanical here, um, there's a general guess of how much, because of the, the should we say, the original success of that song, um, that would require, they would turn around and say, we want X, Y, Z. Uh, or they may fit that song into a certain bracket and say, well, again, for each mechanical CD or mechanical sale you make of it, we want this amount. Um, that's prior to um, the PR, PRS royalties. Um, so radio royalties, etc., like that, which would all go by default to the, the original um, rights holder as well. So I wouldn't re- receive anything from that if, from radio play or so very when- little. Really? So when your mm. tracks got played on air, the majority of the royalty fees go to the original writer, the copyright holders of the track, not to you yes. as reworking them? Yes. Ah. Yeah. yeah. That doesn't so there's, seem there's, to there's, make... There's, no, there's so very making... little money... Well, there's very yeah. little money to be made anyway in recorded music. Um, and then you obviously make it less by doing... Uh, working on other people's material, as I did. But... You know, this was never a money-making project, as we know. We keep re- I keep reiterating throughout this. Um, so that wasn't, you know, none of this was a concern. But it was a huge headache to avoid having to remember there were 10 songs. Mm. So having to approach 10 publishers or 10, mm. um, you know, companies, etc. Um, that was taken, uh, Dome took over. Dome did all that, of that. Which was, yeah, which I was very appreciative of. So. And, and do these companies, again, were well, site universal just because, do they take money up front or is it just on a, they'll say, as I think you mentioned a moment ago, well, you would say having 100, 200 CDs pressed. So they mm. know that the maximum amount of sales it's going to have is that amount of units 
and they won't take anything until those units are sold? Is it percentage I, of sales? I or? couldn't. I would be guessing here. Um, it's a good question. Uh, I'd be guessing that they're paid in advance right. uh, before. Um, so independent yeah. labels do have to front some money up then? Yes. Yeah, indeed. Right. Indeed, so even in the state so. the music industry is in, and you know mm. a lot of these independents are doing it because it's all they know and it's what they love doing and they've done it for years and it's a passion mm. and something they're good at. But nonetheless, from a business point of view, it's actually mm. costing them hard cash. It is, yeah. So they're out. So they have to have faith know, in you, then. Exactly, which goes mm. back to the you know I was quite quite taken aback and surprised. Mm. Um, but uh, that's where you have the uh, the uh, sudden imposter syndrome that all musicians mm. or artists have. That you're suddenly thinking, really? Do you really want to? You know, I'm thinking. Yeah, it puts oh, flesh on the bones now. I totally get exactly, it. Exactly. Yeah, you've got the devil and the angel. The, the angel saying, "Well, obviously, it, it, there's you know, it, it can't be that bad because um, they think they can make are, money out of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's the, the devil saying, "No, they're just being polite to you. you know, they're just, they're, they're, they're just <laughs> not had anything nicer been sent to them recently." I don't think anybody's polite when it comes to spending money. I think that's the uh, truth there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's the logical side as well. It's like again, it's that imposter syndrome. But yes, you know, uh, ultimately they're a business. So right, so we're we're, we're mm. sashaying neatly along to the murky side now. So mm. how do you recoup? Or how did you did you make any money from seeds? Yes, yes. You did. yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. So I'm not. Uh, and and did that come from physical sales? I mean, there was obviously the album launch, the gig. Now. You, did you have CDs on sale at the at the gig? Yes. Yep. So the physical sales, sale. I've always been told that uh, kind of the, the pecking order for musicians to try and earn some money is A, buy physicals from them, if possible, mm. from boot camp, if not, and latterly from, you know, online, the Amazons and so on. So buying directly from you, I know from certainly the jazz world and I was in that world, you know, if they could sell 100 CDs, or sorry, 10 CDs at a tenner a night, They've mm. made an extra hundred quid on their gig fee. That's almost probably doubled their gig fee just in selling their CDs. It's terribly important mm. to them, especially especially for you know working and live jazz musicians. Yes, um, but it, it that also extends to other. But uh, because there's so much little money to be made, unfortunately, mm. within the within the jazz circles, then they you know jazz artists very much appreciate those physical sales. As would you know. And as with anyone, I'm sure. I was going sure, to say, you know. I mean, I know you and I, you know, are, are close to the jazz world, know the jazz world, but I mean, mm. a musician's life is mm. is bloody tough. There's not a lot of money to be made for gigging musicians. I mean, there's the obvious outs where they can make money and have to, teaching, perry work, and then, of course, the old functions, weddings, you know, the whole mm. king caboodle. That's, I know, bread and butter. So with an album, and obviously we can cite seeds here, were you aware of what was happening in the background? Because, I mean, for instance, say when it's on Apple Music or, or, or and we'll come to uh, Spotify in just a moment, it mm. has to have a whole load of... I mean, suddenly when I had your mastered files back, they, the, 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 the slug line, the code number was kind of that long. It was 30 characters long, <laughs> yeah. G-U-X-X-Y. Yeah. So presumably mm. there's a lot of cataloguing goes on so that people are all getting their fair amount of money down the line. Yes. Yeah. So where does your music have to, although you weren't making money from royalties because they were somebody else's songs, 
where was your mainstream of money coming from when a track's played on radio then did it make any difference to you it uh, well there's, there's it does don't get me wrong i i couldn't tell you the the percentages but i would i i i did and i occasionally get a, a nudge dribble of mm. a few pounds and i do mean a few pounds mm, i can believe that pounds, yeah. from from radio play or did now because obviously the album's not being played and the songs aren't being played anymore currently um but I did, you know, from from certain uh, stations, obviously the the BBCs and the, you know, the, the BBC local stations uh, and some of the other, the larger guys, um, that would tell you up. So I would wear, but because I hadn't written the song, I remember mm -hmm. going back to that point, uh, I had a small percentage. So I would have had a larger percentage had they, you know, with the, with said radio play. But it was then minimal. Um, so then, out of that, that piece I'd... of cake, the, the, mm. if we're looking at it, say if it gets a play on Jazz FM, for instance, you've yep. got the whole bit of cake there. The vast majority of that will go to the writer or the writer's company. Then some mm. of it will go to Dome and some of it will go to you. Is that kind of the way that it's divvied out? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I had literally, you know, any, any way that the. Um, say an artist would have made money because it were you know, I signed a contract with Dome and Dome said, look, these are the percentage we will take X, Y, and Z from, um, from, you know, any radio plays, any mechanical sales, any streaming sale, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, and I knew that ahead of time, you know, what, what those, you know, uh, what those were. Lawrence that. So, um, so if we sort of, go into the nefarious area of streaming now mm. apple music and particularly spotify i guess are the two big ones and to get onto spotify i guess feels good i mean you know you look and you think oh there's my album it there's that little element of vanity but of course it's now become a business it's not a, a, a self-release it's not being done for purely for pleasure now there is money to recoup so when you see your album on spotify and mm. they don't do any links to any sales there at all, it's purely on streaming. I'm right in saying that. You cannot buy through Spotify, can you, at all? I'm sure I'm right in saying that. I, I don't think you can anymore. I think initially no. you could, years ago. Well, as Spotify, before it was... Um, I'm yeah, to, I remember it, when it, I first started... It was Napster, wasn't it, originally? Yeah. Napster sort of became Spotify and... Uh, no. No, I think Napster's separate, I believe. Yeah, I think I think Napster is, is still different. Um, so when we see Seeds sitting there on hmm. Spotify... The actual album itself of being there, does that earn you anything? No. No. And then uh, but if you could be asking this to Madonna, for example, and she would answer something different um, because so of the numbers of streams. But, you know, but we're talking, you have to be, you know, sorry. You I'm have to be that sort of question. level, don't you? I mean, that's the thing, to make any kind of a meaningful arrival on your in checks mm. you need to be you need to be at sort of the the harry styles madonna prince kind of level of sales yeah and even then you know it wouldn't be the kind of figures that you would associate with those stars it would be the kind of money that you would think well that's not bad oh really but it's not we're not life changing no not at all for example just as a uh, as an example um mm. i had a gig a few weekends ago uh um and i met a vocalist i'd not worked with before uh, and i was talking to her and her partner um she didn't mention his name mm -hmm. but we we're having a discussion just generally about music and um she was um she was originally uh, from germany and i think they, her and her 
partner were considering moving there um back there mm-hmm. for musical reasons um and also the cost of living now in london uh, as they are london based mm. um but um i was asking her about her own music and her partner's music and um she says he's been you know he's been very successful but you know the amount of money he would got back and she she happened to mention that he is his material and i don't know over what period has um earned him something like nine million streams which to me was a huge amount yeah 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 and then i think it was a couple of days after i just happened to be online and i just thought oh and that sprang to mind and i thought let me check what that that um came to uh and if i was right it was something like this is nine million streams <laughs> This Which, is nine minute streams, and I'll tell you what. But I'm just going to do this in the background, so because my yeah, my I mean, I would not be able to have behind. a. I, I I wouldn't. I mean, I know nine we all million. Hear that that's a big number, isn't it? Yeah, isn't yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know that we all hear that uh, streams are you know point something zero of a, of a penny. You know, they're they're meaningless. But then you think of nine million, and suddenly you think, oh, mm. that that's that's sensible. Yes, you think so. I'm now going to. Sorry, excuse me while I do this. So one, two, three, one, two, three. That's nine times 0.0 hold on yeah 0.25 if i've done my sums right how much do you think he that person would have nine million streams remember this isn't nine million streams in a year this was over i think i'm guessing here over a okay let's just say if it was a year then yeah let's just say if they hit nine million in one year you've got to think surely you know any rational world you've got to be thinking sort of 10,000 up was where you your mind would be that sounds a hell of a lot of plays 9 million yes well actually it's double that um it's 22,500 right for 9 that's assuming million. that's assuming for 9 million how many people would get 9 million streams um and that's 22,500. Now, if you take out, remember, that's just as a, a single figure. Yeah. Um, that's not profit. That's yeah. just how so much that you would earn from. Going to the label, correct? From an artist on well, Spotify being paid. Uh, yeah, I don't, I obviously don't know this artist's particular deal but or contract. It or almost sounds reasonable. You're it. not going to be self released and getting 9 million streams. It's going to be pretty commercial. It, well, it, you would have thought. But then again, let, let's say even if that were the case. That it was a, a self-release but the costs involved anyway i would you know blimey if you took let's just be a let, oh what's the word Not, um, devil's advocate let's just be yeah oh, okay, okay you could take that yeah we could take that view um even if we said if the album cost i don't know three or four th- i'm saying it could be singles but mm. let's just say a grand say an ep or something or if it's an album 10 let's just say five thousand pounds yeah um if that was so, take five thousand out immediately, and we're on to seventeen and a half thousand. Um, ca- then there's of other costs involved as well. Remember that's from streaming. I'm sure there would have been many other costs involved. Um, it's not just by streaming. So it would have been mm. CDs, manufacturing, and what have you, promotion, gigs, uh, paying musicians, etc. So I, suddenly it comes to me. You know, could you live on that for a year? That's the thing. When you suddenly look at that in London, being, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, so whilst twenty two and a half thousand, but you know, say if somebody had, had sold nine million singles back in the day, 
Well, know. I don't know. That's very different. Now, this, if selling singles, say, back in the 70s and 80s, mm. would would that amount of physical sale of a, of a single make, have made you wealthier as a musician? Would you be earning oh, more? Oh, God, yes. Oh, God, yes. So, so is that, we'd be, yeah. But that's Sorry. because, presumably, uh, and I know we're, I'm not trying to point the wicked finger at Spotify here. It's just they mm. are the major streaming platform and have yeah. been very central to the way that people now consume music um, mm. and have t t turned it into this streaming uh, culture. But so yeah. with a, a single then, would it not have been the same rules apply that out of, I remember when a single was 99p, I think. So out of that pound, mm. when you bought a single, the majority of that would go to the label and then it's to the writer and then to the artists? Um, yes, unless the latter two were one in the same, the artist yeah. and, the, and, the, and the writer. But um, even so, say it out of that 99 pence, let's just say that I, I, I couldn't tell you uh, oh, how much. but it's actual but let's say pence, it was, it's not fractions of pence. No, exactly. Let's say yeah. if it was 10 pence, yeah. 15 pence, I, those figures kind of come back to me from years ago. Right. I don't know why they're in my head, but let's just say, you know, for the sake of 10 pence, mm, mm. At 9 million singles, you know, uh, well, that would yeah. be 900. It would it, no, sorry, but that would be 90. 90,000? Yeah, wouldn't yeah. it? Something so yet. one, two, three, one, two, three times. Yeah, just by the ten pence, and yeah. you're on to uh, that. Sorry, ninety thousand. What are we talking about? We're both rubbish. Nine hundred thousand. No, Nine hundred. Nine hundred thousand. Off, so off nine million. So yeah, it's a tenth of. Where do you think the change came? I know that's quite a big question to ask, but we've both been well, you much, much more so than me, but been involved in the music business through this period of change, probably one mm. of the most radical changes that's happened to the recording industry. Yeah. What do you cite as being the reason of that change? Was it the immediacy that people wanted? The fact that people just suddenly could have it for free? Uh, what, and they didn't want to own Ooh. anymore. I know there's a, there's a small sea change happening at the moment, but you know it seemed that there's a long time people weren't that fussed about whether they physically owned an album. As long as they could listen to it, that was good enough. That's almost a, a human nature question, I, I would say, or elements of it re would reflect on human nature. I think uh, a lot of people, if they can get something free, they will. Mm -hmm. um, we're also living very much um, in a society where everything people want to, and this people are now used to, not just wanting it, but they're used to, if they want something, they want it there and then. They don't want to wait, they can get it there and then. Uh, and to me, it's, you know, it's almost a, a bit like the spoilt child at Christmas uh, that has lots of presents. Wonderful. This is great. I've just unwrapped it. Right. Next. Yep. And they actually haven't had a chance to play with it yet. Consumed, um, disposed and yeah. And, it, and it's, yeah, it's slightly that. Now, obviously, each, you know, each, person, is, each person is an individual uh, and I can't paint the brush on everyone with that. Uh, and some people insist still now that they would rather have something physical in their hands, mm -hmm. uh, be it vinyl or CD or what have you. Uh, other people, I know so many people, uh, and this is presenters and, and disc jockeys as well, that have just literally, you know, um, switched their recorded and transferred their whole C digital collection and vinyl collections in some cases to digital format and sold everything. So everything is literally on a, a hard drive somewhere mm, um mm. Every, everybody is different in that respect but the change what going back to your question what 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 influenced that big change 
Uh, Napster originally, when it started, it was just a, a free for all. Everyone can just get what money they liked. Uh, uh, sorry, not money they liked, what music they liked music, yeah. in a digital format. And nobody was making money from that. So uh, when the streaming, well, Spotify, I think, who were the first, mm. I might be wrong on that, Nothing but when ever. Spotify decided to come along and say, hey, is there a way we can do this, even at a loss in it, uh, initially, should we should we see if, you know, the whole streaming aspect? Because remember, initially, Napster was downloading. It wasn't streaming. It was you're your downloading a product to, to be able to listen to in your own time via your own equipment. And um, there was no connection via Wi-Fi or 4G or basically the streaming services that were needed. Mm. That changed when the with the improvement of the internet, when the speeds increased uh, and connections became more reliable, that suddenly you didn't necessarily have to download something onto your iPod or whatever it was because you could actually just listen to it streaming from wherever you were. So I think that was a big change within the digital realm and that happened fairly soon, I think. Um, and the convenience aspect of it, because don't get me wrong, I think streaming is a, it, it's, it's a wonderful concept, don't get me wrong. I, I, just feel for everyone involved from the musicians and the artist's point of view and everyone involved in producing and making a making music that are aren't financially compensated to the degree they should be in my opinion and i'm sure in them in the opinion of many others did you um, ever ever question or say to dome morally i just don't want it on spotify no i the reason i paused then mm. is because initially if had it, I've had I've gone my own route, I would have refrained from putting it on there originally, uh, initially. And I know some artists do that; they they hold it back from mm -hmm. um, streaming sites, their their music, and then after X amount of time, they they'll decide to put it on. But um, no, I didn't. Uh, and Peter spoke to me about the stream, you know, because we're going back to 2019. And with it's strange to think, actually, that was like three years ago. But mm. with COVID, obviously, you know, everyone forgets that two year gap of COVID. Um, so when he did tell, you know, he said things are changing considerably, you know. Um, and even three years ago, there's, there's been a big change in the streaming, how it's how it increased and gotten more and gotten more. Uh, and Dome weren't, you know, Dome were very aware of that, how their own music uh, and their their library and catalogues were being still, you know, were being consumed. Uh, and they, they like anyone else, had to had to adjust as a business. Um, myself as an individual and my own, should we say, my own moral opinions of streaming and have you, uh, I decided to, you know, not kick up a fuss or anything like that um, with Dome because I, I saw, you know, what's what's x percent of nothing <laughs> right yeah i don't I, I i say that and you know and someone can say well it's not nothing it's point zero zero two pence yeah, 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 but, realistically. but realistically you know um and for the tens or hundreds of thousands of streams you've had obviously the, the remuneration is is pitifully small mm, it is it is so but, but that I, someone could say well your music should be better or it should be you know but um, again, going back to that point, it's it was it was tough for me in some ways because, and I don't mean oh wrong wrong phrase to use or wrong, I don't mean tough as in um, oh no I didn't make much money from it because again I'll reiterate the project was never about making mm. money, mm. so um, so in that respect it wasn't a concern, um, and um, 
yeah i just i just thought um no no i'm gonna i'm gonna go along with this because it was you know back in even back in 2019 we're going back how many years now streaming was really was already firmly firmly mm. sorry you know had its roots down where everybody was now switching to to the big streaming services uh and a lot i mean there, there are arguments within the, mu the musician circles um and some people have said it just is the way it is you have to adapt and and you know uh and there is that yeah so many people have to you know we all have to make a decision and, and adapt as it were um but the negatives in my opinion at least are far more than the positives um yes it's handy as a as a consumer for me it's wonderful don't get me wrong I, I i like using the streaming services because they're very quick they're fast and efficient and they're a great way of um sourcing uh certain music however um, i know you kind of go about it in in the right way because if you find an artist you like you'll then go and buy their album yes you'll use it almost as a reference i know you've from years yes, gone, yeah. gone on you'll find some trumpeter from Norway that you're absolutely in love with his oh, yeah. tone and play yeah. and suddenly you're going to find yeah. his back catalogue and have albums imported. I know what you do. Yeah, but, and I'm I'm one of very few, you know, talking to, speaking to a mirror here because I know you do the same thing, but we are, there are very few of us. And I, and exactly, and, there's that, that's, that's a fraction of your vinyl. Yeah, um, yeah. I couldn't, you know, where it's, it's that's a personal decision you know that's something i want to do i'd like to have the physical thing hmm. but also it's especially with new artists i i like to think i'm supporting them because it obviously having the experience it brings me back to hmm. to to that that post album release period which i did find i'm sure you know i you you know this because i talked to you i did find that tricky uh i think kenny referred to it as the post post release blues or the post album blues um, which definitely hit, uh, mm. and I found it difficult to to listen to mu new music initially after that period of the album release. Um, nothing to do with the music itself, because there's so much wonderful music being made, and I really wanted to listen to it. But it, it was like a slap in the face of reminder. I could picture all these these wonderful artists, vocalists, musicians, uh, in studios all over the world, recording, like you know, putting so much effort into it at huge personal uh, and physical and financial costs only for because we now just want it like that and we listen to it once and we've gone on for people just to go oh yeah I like that oh I might listen to it twice I might listen to it three times I might oh half a track no that's it gone and the amount of effort that has gone in to produce that one track from either an artist or a band is huge mm. um, but but you know I'm sure there are other industries that that suffer this as well uh, and individuals and artists within those. Oh, hell, I was guilty as charged. I mean, you know, there was a former life where I played music on the radio and, and I was lucky. I got sent many, many tracks every week. Mm. And and the amount, it had to grab my attention within the first, brutally, I'm probably within as little as 25, 30 seconds, unless it really had something sparkling there. And certainly mm. if I saw anything that looked brick wall limited, and it was just like an absolute brick of a waveform. Brick of it, yeah. I just knew yeah. that it, I knew without listening how that was going to sound. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it funny that that's, yeah. 
visually yeah. yeah i mean you, you look at music visually which is kind of ridiculous so again that's a, that's another avenue of conversation isn't it the fact that we can do that we're now talking about well yeah the loudness wars of... maybe that should be round three because we could probably do, dig deep into oh um, blimey yes uh, michael jackson yeah, and thriller and the, and the, the, the various iterations of the being of that over the years of getting louder and louder and louder and louder and louder and funny enough uh, today i listened to quincy jones the dude album just because mm. i just pulled it out of nowhere and still, that's a master of a recording, isn't it? Every track yeah. is just, oh. oh. Anyway, digressing. Yeah. So I was speaking to a musician uh, a few years back who actually took the counter position on, on Spotify and on streaming. He said, well, look, I was lucky. Mm. I got onto a big playlist. People mm. that didn't know me found me on there and then started, A, to stream me. And mm. if I was lucky, would then visit my website, buy a physical. And if I was really lucky, come to a gig and support me as well so i guess there is a little bit of good if it's i mean that's lucky but this getting onto a playlist thing i didn't realize until that point how important that could be mm. very very much so um but i use you know and it's it's something that's been discussed by many musicians and, and a lot of people obviously know that these playlists are the way to to try and get something back from the streaming industry my own analogy with it is, however, um, how do I term this? I often view these playlists as um, the lifeboats on the Titanic. Explain. Let's all let's all try and get on one of on one of these lifeboats. Those lifeboats mm. are are the playlists. Right, right, right. Uh, and you know. I hope I haven't offended anyone by trying to compare music within, you know, a tragic accident. I think it was long um, enough ago. Um, and I've heard music that's been my, a very big tragic accident, don't you worry? It's probably a very <laughs> fair analogy. <laughs> but my point being that everybody's scrambling to try and get onto these playlists. Um, and there's only so many of those playlists mm. uh, that you can, you know, you can get onto. And don't get me wrong, it is wonderful, the fact that some people can make, you know, uh, but as I said to you, you know, uh, referring back to the artist we were talking about a while yeah. ago that made nine nine million. So you've you know. got onto a big playlist. Because I was thinking, if you suddenly got onto a playlist that I had Michael Bublé or Harry Connick on there, you know, big mm. household names, that's going to make a big difference for you. But probably not nine million streams. No, no. I mean, that's nine million. I, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you what Bruno Mars's are. But if we went off YouTube, in theory... And the guy should be oh, a multi-millionaire because yeah. yeah. he has billions and I mean he has billions on one track alone um, I don't remember what it's called because obviously oh, they, anyway as you know my toes are sort of a little bit dipped into YouTube so obviously the artists do get rewarded properly they, when they've got their own channels on YouTube YouTube mm. are very hot at actually making sure they get correctly and fair well not only remunerated also know they're very very hot on copyright strikes if you play any music a couple of bars well not even as much as a couple of bars oh yeah they are they you'll are, be really. you'll be taken down that, yeah. that video will be off double quick that is but they also pay less than the streaming sites oh, do <laughs> which is already really yes. i thought youtube would pay more no they pay even less because more people listen to get to them their music oh, so the economies of scale they, would. they figure it's, more also it's uh we're seen yeah. to put up as an album on youtube uh it is on there uh but that again that was handled by dome so, so it is a, as an album. 
Because uh, I've, I've listened th- to the physical. I've never. I looked think for it. I don't think it's up as one file as an album. I think it's individual songs, but as an album link, as it were. I hadn't even thought about the yeah. revenue coming from YouTube. That's a whole new mm, one. I, no. I didn't think of that as a music streaming platform, which is ridiculous because I know it's huge. It is huge, uh, and remember, it's also a sudden demographic. Younger people, yeah, uh, will go for YouTube. Um, very much so, mm. similar to the TikTok thing. You know, the visual episodes. Um, but equally, they they pay even less than the streaming sites. Um, <laughs> so, so there's no way. So, going back to going back to that artist, yes, that's you know the the playlists are good, and you know, unfortunately enough, via Dome's connections. So, I think it was. Um, um, it should have been you that um, got onto one of the Deezer playlists, you know, oh, yeah. which, and it's st- and it stayed on there for a very long time, mm-hmm. uh, which is wonderful news, you know. Um, but that was that was via Peter uh, mm-hmm. and Dome Records, you know. Had had he not have had that link, would I have got onto that onto that playlist? Um, but then there's the also picking up on your point that that would have introduced to the your uh, the artist you were you interviewed that would have introduced other people to his music or to his other I think you said him mm. to mm. his mm. other music which mm. is obviously great uh, which would have meant more streaming for that and then there's the the side of he said for people to come and see him or his band uh, perform live which is one of these arguments that a lot of people put forward well you know the money now is to be made live well not all music is was recorded to be performed continually live because uh, if so, you had to take yeah. seeds around as a live tour that was a big set that was a big it, set yeah, there was loads just, of musicians there wasn't there of course yeah i mean it, it would it it was just too impractical even in i think in pre-streaming you know days it would have been quite tricky mm. um but yeah, it's there's something that a lot of people who use that that argument I feel overlook that not all music was is written with the intention of it being performed regularly um, as a live. So it's, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. So some of it is, some of it isn't. So you know, we all have to adjust and do what we have to do. Um, and I so, did hear some sort of rumours that the, the 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 figures that are set behind streaming revenue is. All, now this might just be one of those um, urban myths, but it's set by the major three or four labels saying, look, I've if you want our catalogue well, on yeah. there, this is all you're going to get from us. Otherwise, you don't get to play Bruno Mars. You don't get to play Harry Styles. Mm. This is all we're going to pay you. I wonder how true that is. Mm. Yeah, good point. Because every know. major style, like, even on those labels, you know, even say on Sony, you're going to have those top few, that you know, the George Marcus mm. of the time and so on. But then, Equally to that label, it's still going to be the people rising to the top that are, you yes. know, aren't going to be getting that kind of those kind of hits and streams. So mm. I don't know. You'd imagine industry does always win, and if 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 Sony was, uh, I'm not, I mean, because they come to my mind first for no other reason. Mm. But you know, if they were to turn around and say to a streaming platform, Deezer or, or Spotify, right, that's all you're going to pay, get paid by us if you play our music, take it or leave it. I assume they'd sort of have to bend over and take it, really, because what you're going to do, you can't run a commercial streaming service and not have the music of the moment on there, can you? No, you can't. Um, but, but the deals that are done there, I, I'll be hands up. I I know I know so little of. Uh, you know, if if anything, what deals are struck between those? You know, I've heard the same thing. You know, there's the, the mm. big three or four mm. that that um, sit down with these streaming sites and uh, and uh, decide. 
whatever you know what's happening with these with these catalogs and you know i remember last was it last year again this it's the covid factor where we say it screws it's, everyone's yeah. um memories up for the last few years but i remember there being uh, a period where a lot of famous artists um from now older artists were selling their their catalogs um to uh, the record companies uh, selling them out or selling them to streaming sites. I can't remember which, mm. so that they would get they'll get something there and then as a lump packet, a lump sum, so that they would make something. Some money, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they realised then that because nobody was going to now go and buy, you know, their CD sales and and things. Was um, this your think- first direct look at the music business through contracts? I, mean, I know you've you've been a session musician for many years. You've written and so on. But mm. was this your first dealings from actually putting your name yes. on the dotted line? Yes. And yeah. I know, again, from conversations you and I have had, that there's a there's a possibility somewhere at the back of the Groffalo mine that a seed to may or may not happen, depending on how mm. you feel emotionally. If that were to be the case, if that were ever to become a reality, would you be interested in it becoming a commercial option again? Or have you had uh, enough of what you've seen and think, no? For for the the ball lake that goes with it, I'll keep this just as a self release. Uh, no, no, I would I would definitely consider it if you know uh, if a if a label were interested in doing so. Um, yes, yeah. Or maybe uh, phrase I, I that question slightly differently. If you were to think of seeds two, would now your business brain be in in check first of all, and you'd go looking for a label before making the venture viable so before beginning to actually spend any of your emotional time sitting writing rewriting reworking would you go out to a few independents and say right look i've got this concept this is what i did that this first time around are you on side do you want to be behind me and would that then mm. govern your uh no personally it wouldn't i i would as it was in the first time you know with seeds it would be complete for me it'd be completely about the music right and once i'd probably had about half or at least the the good friend you know the good bones of it all of the tunes i i then may approach but a substantial bit of it all of the that's me personally that's how mm. i would want to mm. do it mm. um but if i you know if i'm to do it again similar to the first time as i said you know it turned out that way uh, the second time, yes, I would actually uh, would want to release uh, the album, uh, and not as a personal venture, but as a you know, uh, as a yeah, as a as a viable product. And I suppose almost a good point at beginning to think about wrapping the the, the conversation up with you. Mm. From what you've seen of it, is is music viable? <laughs> Define viable, though. That's the <laughs> sustainable from a revenue, a means of revenue for a family man, for somebody just wanting to live. If you want to be a re- re- release music and have music listened to on the streaming platforms and on Apple Music and so on, mm. if one of your kids as, actually as a recording turned artist and said, "Look, mm. Dad, I want to, I want to make money out of being a recording artist," no, no. Uh, I would definitely say no if my children mm. said that to me. You know, mm. um, personally, yeah. Someone else, you could literally ask the guy down the street, the woman on my left, the person on my right. Um, they would, they may argue yes, 
but from my experience no not unless you you know as again as, as uh, if you know uh, using just that example of um the nine the million i've not met that nine mm. million streams that only made that you know that person twenty two and a half thousand pounds. Now, mm. uh, that's you know don't get me wrong. That's that's a, a good wedge of money there twenty two mm. and a half thousand pounds. But is it enough? Is it enough to to then pay your costs out and to try and live on for a year while you've been doing that project in London, where the where they live, where that person lives? No, it's not. So, if that's with nine million, you know that kind of answers your question. Um, but as is of, as is often the case, but not always the case, a lot of musicians, especially the people I've worked with, um, w none of us got into music for money, mm. which doesn't mean we we're just happy to give everything away free. But equally, it's you know, it's um, I wouldn't be doing a second album for for any financial. Gain. No, no. Uh, so but what I would do is try and minimise uh, any loss. That's that's how I would you know I wouldn't be using thirty six musicians this time. I was just going to say, what do you play uh, as a loss? You know, because I, um, I prefaced it at the beginning of our conversation. You're in a, a, mm. a lucky position. Well, it's not lucky. You've, you've, you've made it happen. But you know, you've got mm. your own studio. You are a musician. You can yeah. mix. You can master. So you can, mm. well, if you wanted to master, you could do a hundred percent of the project. And you're multi instrumentalist, certainly across mm. the horns. So you know, you could make quite a lot of I music could, yeah I could, I could use yeah I could I could use and then you could know, samples and if you wanted to do away with musicians at all which I know was why Seed sounded so different was because it was all musicians there weren't stems and yeah. loops on there it was actual musicians mm. playing actual instruments but that's what mm. you mean by minimising losses you could go around you could just go to music library use some beds and sort of make it cheap um, no, I just that, I know, use but... fewer musicians. No, it, it depends on the music. Don't get me wrong. I, you know, certain styles and or certain things I may well want to use uh, rather than bring a drummer in and record a drummer in the studio. I may well want to use, uh, you know, a programmed track. I might program mm. the track myself from various samples or what have you, depending on what the song needed or what I felt it mm. feel it would need. Um, so... But with seeds, I you know I did want as much live as possible. That was the whole process. I think that would pretty much stretch to what you know number two album if you know if and when I get to it. Um, but you know I wouldn't be using something like I can't remember how many bass players I used six or seven. Uh, how many musicians were involved in that project overall? Must have been overall up to twenty. Was, I think it was thirty. No, thirty, thirty-four, thirty-six. Sheesh. Um, because it was always, as you know, it was meant for me to sit down one day uh, with a CD in my hand, physical product, uh, look through the inlay and go, oh, I remember working with him, I remember working with her and blah, blah. It was always meant to be a personal thing to look back on in. And it still is. I still will do that in, in years to come because there are so many people involved. And that's a fraction. There were so many more I wanted to, you know, so many wonderful, talented people that I've worked mm. with that I couldn't get on to that album. Um and someone said, oh, you know, oh, can we get them to the next one, as it were? Um, but, you know, that was then. So anything now would be, as I said, would be would be done differently. Um, and the question, I, I mean, I haven't actually asked you over our recent conversations, is, is it any more likely? Is How is it sitting in the ether? Yeah, it is. It's it's more likely, but I've, you know, the last, you know, again, I hate using the C word, COVID, but COVID changed a lot of things for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. uh, it did... That's not what I'm about. COVID didn't change the aspect, any aspect of my want, 
it's whilst a lot of musicians took the time to actually get get into music and start recording and writing which they wouldn't have had performing musicians had the time now forced upon them i was the opposite i had that time forced mm. upon me but i didn't want to go anywhere near the studio i just lost all enthusiasm for for doing it i was one of the opposites mm-hmm. uh, whereas now now the world is coming back to normal uh i'm i'm now getting the bug again so it's it's weird how it pans out but also i wanted to spend a lot more time with my family my two young boys um because before you know it as you know you know they They go from that to that to that and um exactly and they won't want to know dad you know in in a few years to come i imagine or want to know him less so and i won't get that time back so my family you know has taken priority there and uh, I've just pulled it onto solo, which I'm sure you can see at your end. And we're now getting the view of your studio in full with a tenor to one side and all the wiring behind mess, you hanging up there. Yeah. A proper, proper. Yeah. And that is where Seeds was recorded, right? That is the studio yes, where, where yes, it happens. Yes, this is, yeah. It's, it's strange because it does look, I'm just looking behind me now as a, as a mess. You know, I've got a T-shirt hanging up on the back of the doors and various cables and everything behind that that part partition there is done just to, to keep the mess out of the way of the yep. the shelves of mic boxes and various other the creative end is, and... is down here where you're sitting yeah and the, I, know, um, I remember sitting yeah. on that sofa uh mm. one bank holiday friday i think it was a easter friday I first came over and listened to the album i think just before it went on just before it went on public release mm. i think uh, you said come and have a listen to it, and that's where we sat yes. and actually went through all of the tracks wasn't it yes yeah it looks Memories. smaller than it is actually from uh, i'm just seeing this now behind me on the screen it yeah no the camera does kill it, it i know but, but um uh, yeah, yeah it, this is the place real studio happened yes have you got any of your yeah. physical cds left i have yes yeah then where are they yeah. are they where can people buy a physical of yours physical well f- physical can still be bought from the the specialist uh music stores within such as soul brothers and so on and Etc. Yeah, there's um, Soul Brother, and I've forgotten the name. Forgive me. Of... Oh, I've forgotten it. Is it Essex based? I've forgotten what it's called. Even Amazon, but I wouldn't suggest going to Amazon. To, um, well, as you know, I, mean, I know I know somebody bought one there. The other half bought one there, and there was one left or something. It was really oh, nice. Okay. I asked, is there any... I didn't, uh, where do those stocks get replenished from then? Is that they down to Dome? They did get replenished from Dome. Uh, and I don't it, think Just getting back into the business side, further. Dome were responsible mm. for actually getting CDs pressed cases yes inlays yes. printed the whole thing distribution that was all down to them yes right yeah, yeah. Done, so right yeah because i assumed again that's part of what when you sign the contract with them i guess that mm. that's part of what they say they'll do they'll make the vinyl or the cds that's part yes. of the deal yeah. that they're going to offer you yeah i'm with you yeah well it's heartening to hear that yeah. um it's possibly more likely than not that you're going to dip your toes back into oh from the musical side yeah definitely there's and, it, it, it will happen it's just a case of, um, yeah. as I say, well, it's like it, There was uh, never a, a, a dead, you know, now even with, even if it were to be another com- a commercial venture, it, it, there's no, that does not have to be a deadline on it. It's not like you're ever going to have somebody breathing down your neck at this point saying we need it out by 18 mm. months time. If you decide to start, it will kind of take its own life form from there. And is it the songs that you had left over from Seeds 1 that could be looked at again? No, no, because it was literally when I got those 10 songs, it was that. I did have some ideas for for a few other, you know, um, but, you know, I'd have to go back now and listen to those and think, is that where I am musically now? Mm-hmm. I know that sounds a bit like a cliche. Is that where I am? No, 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 very thing. much so. But, um, but yes, this, yeah, um, you know, musicians' tastes and interests and their own, you know, a lot, a lot of things change. So... 
and and I always wanted to do an album as is you know mm, which mm. was of those songs that got me into the whole soul jazz funk scene uh and do something about them whereas you know I think people might be if anything you know what's in my head now would it be more would it be more on the jazz side of things and I don't mean by jazz um jazz influenced yeah I say. yeah not, not necessarily hard album, bop and yeah, yeah 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 exactly all the realms and, and all the you know the styles within jazz because they are umpteen if not mm. more um i don't mean in that respect it still would be a very soulful album because mm. you know that that's where i am it's all to do with groove but that is so. the beauty, as we said earlier on, of the kind of music that you make and artists such as yourself make is that it is that moment of their soul at that time. You know, whenever you look yes, back at Seas yeah. now, that was how you were hearing and feeling that. I mean, particularly hearing, I think that's how you were hearing mm. the music when you were mixing and when mm. you went to the artist and said, I want you to lay this down for me. This is what I want you to give me. You know, mm. that, that and that album, you can tell it's you. It's your DNA. It's, it's not an anodyne commercial 4-4 kind of same beat all the way through album it's every mm. it was so personal so it goes to uh, reason that if you were to ever make seeds two that uh, mm. yeah maybe it would have a slightly different influence but it would still have that same rico yeah hopefully sound hopefully. stamp yeah. to it yeah well i know he'll be get he'll be he'll be filled in with all of it happening if if, if and when it does or should oh, i say yeah, well, when it does well this I'm time sure around we should yeah. actually catalogue it properly maybe if that does ever happen now that we're, we're sort of in this realm of you know um yeah, yeah we should actually make videos down the line of what's going on and uh, actually speaking of that I, I, something i wanted to bring up but and, and i'm going to bring it to an end now because i know the the um anyway i'll be very quick uh we were talking of streaming we were talking of mm. cds and and the whole we hadn't discussed the whole physical side of yeah we have gone to streaming and and mm -hmm. removed the the physical concept but with vinyl sales you know increasing and and I think they've plateaued a bit but they have generally been going up and up and mm -hmm. up and, um, and people did ask when Seeds was released you know oh is it coming out on oh, vinyl perfect wouldn't it um, but you know the the physical restraints of a ten track you know. Uh, album it would have been a double album easily if not but then you have the issue of trying to fit how many songs onto 22 now is it 22 and a half minutes on each side pretty much of a vinyl of a, yeah because you, you now you said it of course most of the more commercial you know certainly if i think of, mm. of the dude twins i think that was four tracks aside maybe five yeah. tracks yeah and four tracks and that was a restriction it? and that's the restriction of vinyl yeah so it's something i'll consider when it comes to but a then there's a cost involved so there's a cost, but then there's also the musical restriction. If I'm thinking, hold on, I, I need, you know, do I need to shorten the songs? And one of the things I loved about Seeds is that if I wanted a song more than five minutes, you know, it was more than five minutes. I didn't want to be restricted to the, the typical mm. kind of three and a half to four and a half minute thing. Uh, as you know, I'm a huge fan of Isaac Hayes and his musical tapestries <laughs> that can go on for like 10 minutes. 10, 12 minutes, yeah. Yeah, so I might just release two songs and one on each side. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, we'll, we'll track that bit. But yes, that physical side of we, which we didn't get on to, uh, the final aspect but um yeah so oh, much we could discuss. I, I, I will let you go but there was there was one funny I, I remember i was very desperately behind on producing one of the jazz shows one week and i just went through a library anything that was over 15 minutes long made it because i just thought i haven't got time, time to <laughs> and i thought there's one thing i can yeah. rely on that jazz is going to go on so i knew yeah that. I could definitely oh, find blimey. some miles tracks that were 14 minutes oh my long. word yes yeah that's so, that's the great thing. Be in there and uh, Jim Hall, a couple of Jim Hall things. Yes, yeah, that would have, uh, that would have been great. It got me out of jail that week, handsomely, it really yeah. did. I think I only played about um, 
12 tracks for the whole two hours. Tracks. Wow, that's <laughs> impressive. That's impressive. I was oh, thinking God. on my feet that was. Rico, thank uh, you. It's been a wonderful insight no, into the world you. of music and kind of just what makes it all tick. Um, yeah. it's, it's just great to pull the layers back a bit and hear how it really works. You know, once you finish recording it, what happens next? And, mm. you know, there's a lot of layers that go on behind the music business and it's just mm. interesting to hear it firsthand what really happens so I'm glad it hasn't put you off though I'm glad you're thinking pretty buoyantly that you know at some point when the stars align that it could all happen again as as I would have said to you uh, before a good friend and a bass player that played on the album Ollie Collins said to me years ago musicianship is a virus <laughs> and, and you never get rid of a virus it could be dormant but it's you've got it for life uh, yeah. it could be dormant and some days the effects you know need to be released once a day once a month once in a year yeah, well, but for I, other people it has to be done re even more you know regularly you uh, know I spoke to you earlier this week and I said I've started listening to music again I, mm. I, and you mentioned up with the, the besieged blues you know you, you just mm. didn't want to be listening and consuming music for a long time and mm. it, it, it happens doesn't it even for somebody that yeah. says well you know I'm certainly passionate and your passion goes even greater than mine and, and it, you know even you had your moment where no I just, oh, yeah. I just can't yeah. I've got to walk away from it I, mm. and, and for a long time music just didn't mean anything to me mm. I don't know why I, you know for eight months nine months it just left my soul and it's coming back now but it's one of those things it can never be forced no, um, and it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. So no. I'm glad you you listen to yourself in that respect because when mm. you if you know when you do come back, you're going to love it more for the, for that reason. That's why I didn't the same. I just mm. I thought, I'm not forcing myself to like anything or to listen to because it'd, it'd have the opposite effect. And I'd rather I I would just rather listen to something and thinking yeah I like this rather than the opposite and thinking oh exactly. this is good I've I don't got hear to. music now. Yeah. So there's a negative connotation with it. So next time I hear I were to hear it, I'd be thinking oh that's the tune that. You know, I remember thinking negatively of unfairly, purely because my, my head was elsewhere. So um, I'm going to lay so. the marker down here. Round three will be loudness wars, and I think that's a good follow on. Okay, actually, that would be an interesting, interesting That would be an one. interesting one because yeah. we've both got our roots in violin, we've both got our roots in music of a few years ago, and suddenly mm. all those classics are becoming louder and louder for no good mm. reason that I can see. But let's not ruin another conversation. We'll, we'll no. have that one as round we'll three. How one. about that? Wonderful. Works for you? Indeed. Round three. Rico, Till then. Thank you. Marvellous. Thank you so much for your time. Great as ever. Rico Garofalo. Thank you so much. <laughs> wonderful pronunciation. <laughs> David Lewis, thanking you for having me. Rico, cheers. Cheers, mate. buddy. Thank Lovely. Thanks. Thank you so much, Rico. Always great to have you back on the show. Don't forget, do check out the Seeds album. As we mentioned, it's available from specialist retail outlets and also, I think, possibly still available on Amazon. Rico, we'll have you back soon and we'll be talking about those loudness wars. If you want to get in touch with me in between episodes, then the places you can do that are over on Twitter at DTalkingTech or, of course, via the website, talkingtechandaudio.com. Until next time, take care and I'll see you in a fortnight's time. Hey.